we rolling? We are now rolling. Yes. Alberta Filmmakers Podcast. <laughs> me, 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 me. Okay, anytime. Welcome to the Alberta Filmmakers Podcast. My name is Matt Waterworth. I'm Scott Westby. And we are Full Swing Productions, and every week we bring you a delightful podcast filled with uh, news, uh, interviews, fun times, important events, details, uh, deadlines, and all that stuff that you need to know in the world of film, video, and digital media in Alberta. Hooray! Yay! What's your deal? What's my deal? Yeah. Uh, we're just so busy right now. No, we're not busy. Plates we're full. full. Yes, I know. Um, that uh, we should just jump right into it because something that's got us uh, full? Full. I don't like this yeah. word. <laughs> yeah, I don't like it either. Is the Calgary Comic and Entertainment Expo, which we are involved with every year and is super, super fun. Um, and there's lots of film-related stuff to uh, to uh, sink your teeth into if you're going to be in Calgary for the expo this year, including a couple of panels that we uh, are appearing on. Yes. So if you're listening and you want to see our faces as well as hear our silky smooth voices, mm-hmm. um, then you're going to want to make yourself available at the Calgary Expo this coming weekend um, on the Saturday, April 30th at 2.45 p.m. in the Palomino Rooms, Palomino Room C, Matt and I will be talking about how to start your career in the film industry. Mm-hmm. Do you want to give a little preview? Hell no. <laughs> Come to the panel. Yeah. Then on Monday, May 1st, um, at 1.30, we're talking about how to make your movie. This is our longest running panel. Um, and it's packed every time because it's super interesting stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're also hosting that with uh, two dudes named Jason Mechmel and Scott Lepp. And uh, they're super fun. And uh, we look forward to that. And then hang out for another three hours because at 4.30 on May 1st on the Sunday is business school for actors. Matt, what's that? This is uh, something that I'm super excited about. It's the first time we've we've offered this uh, or or, uh, or provided it at the expo, and um, it's uh, it's not the craft or the talent side of acting, but it's the branding yourself and, and making yourself uh, an exploitable product. As gross as that might sound, that's kind of what uh, actors need to be if they want to be successful. And um, so it's it's going to be all about how you can improve your profile, your social media presence, uh, and and be uh, s- build your audience is, is another one. Be a more attractive uh, actor that producers and directors want to hire. Right. So it's everything about acting that isn't acting, basically. Not attractive physically. Certainly not. <laughs> but attractive as a as an exploitable asset. I hate to say it, but that's a producer term that yeah. uh, unfortunately uh, is uh, not as fun on the creative side, but it's definitely necessary. So uh, I also want to throw in that I'm going to be moderating a panel called Filmmaking Script to Screen with the team behind uh, Ali Was Screaming, the feature film shot here in, uh, in Calgary. Um, and that starts at 745 in the Palo FG room uh, on the Friday. Hooray. And the day before that, on the Thursday night uh, at 8.30 p.m. is the Cuff Expo 48-hour challenge. And, of course, we had the wonderful Cameron McGowan on a few episodes ago talking all about that. So definitely listen to that if you haven't already. Um, and this is going to be the culmination of uh, a number of teams' uh, work over the uh, hectic 48 hours um, making short films. They're always a ton of fun, these screenings. For sure. Um, some hilarious work um, and some some better work and some worse work and everything and everyone's kind of together in this whole kind of yeah they're awesome such a great energy in the theaters when uh, when those things are screened absolutely and 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 great or bad or campy or weird they're always funny and it's a fun screening and then it's a great environment so mm-hmm. come check that out voice theater uh, at the expo so industry news what's going on in the industry uh, the province um, 
uh, announced their funding for uh, the film and TV industry. Um, and they're keeping it status quo, which um, has some people pissed off that they didn't uh, change the $5 million cap mm-hmm. uh, in the Alberta Media Fund. Um, but they also didn't really cut anything. I know they cut the uh, some of the AFA top up that they were they talking about. They didn't even cut necessarily. They just, they just said, we're not going to bring more money. We were talking it. about bringing yeah. more, another $10 million next year. We're going to hold off on that for now. So while it is true that the $5 million cap keeps Alberta less competitive than some of our neighbors, um, considering the state that uh, our economy is in right now, I think this is generally good news. Pretty good. And uh, yeah. really, the AFA fund is, is in a much, much better place than it was a year ago. So yeah. uh, we're happy that it's not being chopped down. Yay. So I'm considering that to be good news. Uh, some might disagree with me, but uh, we can fix fight in the parking lot after this <laughs> when when oil gets better i'm sure uh we will see this uh increase as well mm-hmm. rockies the rocky awards uh, nominations came out yes who was nominated uh, you know the rocky awards are a really cool um world-class uh, award ceremony that happens at the banff world media festival um and it's a pretty prestigious award and, and there are four alberta nominated projects uh one is called the great human odyssey by clearwater documentary uh the emmy winning series fargo of course is up for best serial drama and canada's longest running series heartland is nominated for best youth fiction which is great uh and not to not to forget Anaid productions who has a nomination for their lifestyle uh series the liquidator congrats guys and mm-hmm. uh yeah hope to, huge yeah take the awards home absolutely um <clears throat> I stumbled. Up, I'm not a much of a gearhead, as you can probably tell, based on the fact that we don't talk about equipment right. very much. But it's but, been uh, a big week. It has been a big week. So NAB, the National Association of Broadcasters, which is uh, a much larger conference uh, that happens in Las Vegas every year, um, just went down last week, and uh, we've we've found this great article about uh, the biggest camera announcements from NAB. So this is a place where a lot of um, camera manufacturers kind of show off the latest and greatest in camera technology. What's coming? Yeah, so there's there's something called the Craft. Um, this is a, a modular camera that supposedly has, is coming out of nowhere and has got cinematographers very excited. Um, that is basically kind of a sensor in a in a light tight box that you can kind of build out um, into whatever you kind of need it. So it, it seems like it's kind of a mix between um, what the Red offers and what the uh, the Blackmagic cameras are offering. But uh, yeah, it's pretty exciting. It's uh, it's it's definitely flexible for application and uh, something that uh, a lot of people are very excited about. Also cool is i'm just scrolling down the article here uh the phantom which is um one of the best slow-mo cameras on the market just announced their uh the phantom veo which can shoot up to 1500 frames per second in 2k this is insane how fast is that that's like super fast I, I, how fast is it, Matt? I, I have no idea, but I but I, my, I immediately go like, what, what could you possibly need that for? But I can think of some applications. That's, yeah, that, for sure, that's pretty cool. And in two K too, that's awesome. So um, that's going to just chew through a ton of hard drives. Yeah. Um, but a pretty sweet camera and uh, pretty cool. But the the big one is the uh, the Lytro. So this uh, Lytro is is a um, a technology company that has uh, announced a stills camera many years ago where you could adjust the focus in your picture after you took it. Um, that was what they called their light field technology. Well, now they're bringing it into filmmaking. So they're calling this uh, the the Lytro Cinema Camera. So it shoots 755 raw megapixels up to 300 frames per second. I, I don't know, I can't even guess at how much storage <laughs> you'd be using. Yeah. The camera itself is massive and packages will start at $125,000, which is uh, out of my reach. But uh, they do have this new light field technology built into this camera. So um, super exciting. Uh, to be able to kind of think about how you would tell a story if you didn't have to worry about pulling focus basically yeah yeah very interesting to, and, and and does it say that you'll have the ability to 
say in post-production rack focus whenever you want is that um or that, is it, uh, I, it is my understanding that that is yes wow. i possibly mistaken but that would uh, be insane yeah if someone knows better than us um shoot us a note and we'll have you on and we can chat about uh this technology huh. also big is of course uh, virtual reality and uh, 360 degree cameras um nokia showed off their ozo which is their sixty thousand dollar 360 degree uh vr camera designed for professional productions um which just really gets me super excited um and again i just can't afford it but i want <laughs> it so bad matt well i mean uh, historically red has made big announcements here and then the pricing has fallen yeah yeah, of course. Um, as as with any technology, it, right. it's going to be big, expensive and big uh, at right. first. Right. As, yeah. And then it gets a little bit more accessible. So GoPro, of course, is getting into the virtual reality game in a big oh, way. Really? Yeah, and they're announcing they they've announced their GoPro Omni Rig. Um, well, I, they've announced it before, but they were showing it off at NAB here. Because can, people jerry rig their own. Yeah, they jerry like, their 16 own. Exactly. GoPro. Yeah, and so they're selling a, a six GoPro rig, um, complete with cameras. It's going to cost you about five grand uh, US, which is about twenty five million dollars Canadian. Wow. They've also done their Odyssey rig, which is, uh, I think, 16 cameras and uh, will cost you $15,000 to get kit up with all the cameras and everything. So huh. it's expensive, but uh, not as bad. Right. Well, I mean, accessibility has been, I think, their their strength. That company has been really right. smart about. Yeah. yeah, their cameras are not cheap, but $500, $600 is actually a lot cheaper than you you could ever have gotten 1080 video when they, right. when they did it I believe at least at that size of camera um, so this is this is expensive it is for, expensive but I mean it's for them. at the same time it's like that you're buying 16 GoPros mm -hmm. right as well so I mean that's going to add right. up but uh, Blackmagic is also getting into the VR oh. thing and they showed off their 360 designs VR rig that uses their micro cameras which uh, I've had a chance to play with and they're super fun um, the, so this thing called the mini eye rig can hold anywhere between three to 10 cameras, uh, which is going to cost you with cameras anywhere from nine to $55,000. So it's an expensive market to play in, but, uh, really cool. And we're excited to watch this develop as we go. Awesome. So that was really boring for anyone who doesn't know, uh, <laughs> who doesn't care about cameras. Sorry. Well, I mean, I, I think even the least technical filmmaker can be like, oh, this is what I can use to help me tell the story right, the exactly. way I want to tell it. Yeah. So uh, the Input Conference uh, is coming to Calgary, as, as we know and have mentioned before. It's a massive conference, and it's kind of a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity um, to attend th this event. Uh, it's, you know, it's been in, cr like, Dubai and crazy places. Yeah. Um, and so it's really cool that it's here and it's accessible uh, to us. And now we're hearing that Mohawk Girls, uh, the Aboriginal People People's Television Network, ABTN, uh, their comedy is going to be appearing there. Um, and I, I had a chance to speak with... A, a recent guest of the podcast, Nicole Murphy, who attended an event that was all about kind of explaining what input is to people who might be considering going. And she really sold me on it. She, you know, it sounds, it sounds really cool. It focuses around public television. Um, and it sounds like it's more about discussion. Like they really want to encourage discussion uh, between the people who are attending these events and the filmmakers and, and the creators behind the shows. So it's worth checking out. Um, the price is amazingly cheap as yeah. well. So if you're in Calgary, there's kind of no excuse. Um, and so, uh, and it's right after the uh, the Ampio. Yeah, the Rosies. In Calgary, so, so so you should come and, and check it out. There's actually a website specifically for uh, Input Calgary uh, people, which is inputcalgary.ca, I think, or .com. Uh, let's just check on that right now. But it's happening from May 8th to 12th at the Telescope convention center um, and it's expected to bring hundreds of delegates from around the world to, to screen discuss and debate some of the world's edgiest and experimental public television programming yay and is it inputcalgary.com or the internet isn't working oh no 
it's in my history here. Yeah, inputcalgary.com. So check that out. That's specifically for people who are kind of uh, uh, indigenous Al- Albertans here who might attend. So that's for you. Uh, so who's on the podcast? We've today? got a wonderful filmmaker uh, originally from Calgary, now living in Toronto. Um, her name is Jennifer Liao, and uh, she is going to we had a great chat and we had this chat on Skype. So bear with us if there's any kind of audio issues there. This is the first time we've ever done a Skype interview, but of course she's in Toronto and she's getting ready to release today her, her film end of days Inc. So we talk about her career and and her, uh, her journey. Um, and she's incredibly honest and great. It was a great chat. And, uh, unfortunately just her and I, but, um, she goes into how she went about producing and, and creating this film end of days Inc. Um, and the writer of the film, Christina Ray, was just nominated for the Writers Guild of Canada Award for Best Feature for writing this script. And she also has a bit of an Alberta connection. She's a writer on uh, one of the Ginger Snaps movies and an episode of Blackstone. So she's kind of um, in our community a little bit too. And uh, yeah, great chat with someone who, if you're interested in, in leaving Calgary, which is not something that we're, we're terribly excited about, but uh, if you want to go and check out Toronto, this is a great listen for you. Um, this is somebody who did that journey, and, and maybe it's something that you can learn from. So here is Jennifer Liao. Hello, and thank you so much for joining us uh, on the Alberta Filmmakers Podcast. Um, Thanks I, so much for having me. I really, really appreciate oh, it. Oh, of course. I'm so glad we made it work. Um, so I think, I guess maybe the best question to start things out is uh you know where where are you ge- geographically today How, i am in toronto to <laughs> i'm in toronto right, right now uh, i think i i'm not sure if i'm the first of your guests who is technically not an alberta filmmaker in the sense that i am from alberta i, I was born and raised in alberta but um my career 99.9 percent of uh of what i've done is is outside of alberta uh in ontario in right. toronto so when did that move happen? Um, it happened, uh, I guess, uh, I'm trying to think now. It was probably about 12 years ago, oh, I want to okay. say, 12 or 13, 12 or 13 years ago. Um, it was, I had, had gone to school in, in Montreal and uh, and I moved back to Calgary for about a year and then, um, and then moved out here where my sister was uh, because I didn't want to live with my mother anymore. <laughs> <Fair> <laughs> Uh, so that's, that's basically what happened. <laughs> so where where did you go to school in Montreal? I went to McGill. Oh, cool! Yeah. Huh? I studied uh, I studied business and theater at McGill and uh, ended up um, uh, yeah and just just ended up deciding that I was going to make a go of a career in the arts and 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 yeah and and you know I I did go back to Calgary and I worked at NMAX for a year oh, okay. but. Uh, but Basically, after that, I decided I I needed to to take the plunge. And to be honest, um, there was two months between Calgary and uh, Toronto where I lived in in Los Angeles. Oh. Um, I, yeah, I had uh, uh, basically gotten a lead on a, a and by lead I mean somebody had said, "Hey, there might be a job for you here." So that was that was enough to uh, to send me over there. Um, but the truth is, is that I did not have my papers, so ah. um, that immediately that immediately went by the wayside once it was actually a real a real job offer that's a challenge yeah and that was for when you say lead do you mean acting role or just a lead on no no sorry i when i I, when i said what what i meant um by lead was just like you know when you get like a a a lead on an opportunity as opposed sorry i I realized how that sounded (laughs) no no but, but i just also see that you have a lot of acting credits which is very cool 
<laughs> right. I uh, no, it was a, it was just a, somebody you know going. Oh, there's a PA gig on this show oh, that gotcha. you might be able to get you. It was totally uh, that situation. If it had been a bigger opportunity, I think the the visa situation actually. I don't know if that it could have been resolved, but there mm-hmm. could have been things to do about it. But the truth is, is that if you go uh, abro- or go uh, across the border and and try and get an entry level job, that's a much more uh, that's a much more dead end proposition in the sense that you know it's not a job that requires you to have any uh, any particular skills necessarily. Right, right. So um, so yeah, it was just an entry level position, but it was uh, it was uh, in television, so that was why I wanted to uh, wanted to try and follow course, it. Yeah. Yeah, but it's hard to convince the the government to be like, "Hey, I have special skills that that no one, none of your American citizens have." So, yeah, not only it. that, it was hard to like. It was basically I couldn't convince a, a lawyer to mm, <laughs> to mm. take care of it because of that. So, right, yeah, fair enough. Um, but yeah, I ended up yeah, I just ended up kicking around there for a couple months and then and then going straight to uh, to to Toronto after that. Okay, cool. So, where do you go to high school in Calgary? Uh, Western Canada. Oh, nice, yeah. awesome. Yeah, it's uh, it's you know, it was a uh, great. I mean, it was it, it's kind of cool because there are a couple people that I still have have. Uh, um, I'm, I won't say that I'm necessarily fully in touch with them, but I kind of have le- uh, leads on where they're where they are right now. Right. And there are a couple of of folks who either have uh, uh, come to Toronto or or um, uh, you know, basically continue to pursue an art- artistic endeavors, which I think is is pretty cool. Nice, right on. So, so your first film that you made as a director, mm-hmm. and we all know IMDb is not always the the most accurate thing in the world, but I, it was it called Pride War. Is that correct? Yes, that's the one. It's a short film called Pride War, and uh, I, I rarely say the title out loud, and because I almost never said the title out loud, people don't don't. They <laughs> were like Pride War. What? <laughs> um, but yes, it's called Pride War, and it was a short film that I. Um, uh, it was, I'm in it, which is a problem because it means I can't show it to people now. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was, uh, it was a great little thing that I did with a, a, a few friends of mine, very small crew. Like I think cast crew altogether was seven people. Awesome. So it was, um, one, you know, as about as, about as tiny and, and, and indie as you can get. Um, so and you, you'd landed in Toronto and how long until you kind of made, made this first short? Uh, a few, uh, a few years, probably, uh, let's see, what, what would it be? Um, I guess it would have been maybe around three or four years. And yeah. so the, you know, the, for anyone who's, who's thinking about making that kind of move, um, what was it like to kind of integrate into the film community there? Um, and, and was that kind of part of what, what took time to kind of get to know who you might cast, who you might. Yeah, put in behind the camera, that kind of thing. Well, as you mentioned um, earlier on, I, 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 well, I, I started as an actor, um, and that was, um, you know, that was a, that was kind of the fr- the first opportunity I had to meet people. Gotcha. Um, at, you know, mostly other actors, but the truth is, is that every actor these days is kind of a self starter. You mm-hmm. kind of have to be, uh, unless you're super successful or you you kind of hit right away. You really are trying to juggle a lot of things, and and a lot of people are are moving into you know writing their own their own work or wanting to direct or produce or, or that kind of thing. Sure. Um, so yeah, I mean, on my first uh, on my first short film, my director of photography and editor is also an actor and and uh, on my second short film uh same same deal and also uh you know um my second short film is called what you eat and it's um 
it actually has a has a fairly significant uh, stunt in it, and uh, that came about because uh, we were in acting class with a, a stunt performer um, who, you know, kind of helped us bring on what the people that we needed and the stuff that we needed to actually achieve. Uh, achieve a, a car hit um right uh, and you know so it just you know it's uh for for w- whatever acting ultimately ended up being for me personally what it really re- really did was help me meet people totally. and uh, what limited times i spent on sets too i mean i probably early on probably wasn't taking advantage of the fact that i was you know that there were a lot of people around but mm-hmm. because i almost exclusively worked on on um you know r- smaller indies you know i did get to know the people that were that were on those sets um you know toronto's a tricky town i i i think it's um i have very uh i, I really like it here mind you but i, I do have uh a sort of ambivalent feelings uh when you had cameron mcgowan on cameron is actually somebody i met when i think he was in town here for for some reason or another oh, awesome. um he, he, I remember him talking about his uh, Toronto experience, and uh, and I totally, I you know, I, I I totally think what he says is true. I mean, it, it's it's very much people here are very uh, it, it, people come to Toronto because they're they're particularly career driven. I think mm-hmm. this is a lot, you know, a lot of business of, of all industries, not just um, not sure. just the arts necessarily. Uh, there's a lot of things that are based here, a lot of activity happening here. So I think it's definitely a town where that um, that uh, that has a lot of people who are extra motivated in that way. And unfortunately, I think that can also bring a little bit of a coldness to the city mm-hmm. uh, among the people. So as much as um, you know, over time, I've definitely, I mean, many great, great, great individuals and, and also pockets of people who, uh, you know, who I've been really lucky to know. But uh, there's also a, a certain, I don't know, I do kind of encounter that frustration sometimes, uh, <laughs> right. kind of um, being around people in Toronto. But anyway, that's uh, that might, that probably gets a little bit off, uh, off on a tangent. Well, so no, I, I mean, <laughs> to the same, to the same point, I don't know that, you know, necessarily it would be entirely easy for someone to kind of integrate into our community in Alberta. Um, sure. But, but I think just the reality of a higher population means more competition and, and, and yeah, it, it's definitely um, going to be a, a little more challenging, I, I would think. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. And, and yeah, people who do make that move seem to be aware of it and, and know that they, they're going to have to hustle a little bit harder. Um, yeah. So the uh, the next film is called Person, um, and and you're you're also writing all of these. Yes, I did. Uh, um, uh, what you eat is kind of my. Uh, it's I guess I would call it my biggest short in the sense that it has the the, the largest budget, and mm. um, uh, I kind of wish it wasn't my second short. I kind of wish it was my third or fourth. But anyway, uh, <laughs> Why is that? it's um, you know I didn't know anything. Right, right. <laughs> I'd done one short film with you know a crew. Of, uh, you know, altogether seven people, including three, uh, two actors and, and myself wearing a lot of hats. And right. it was uh, a great experience. But the truth is, is that I, uh, you know, to, to kind of make a jump to to a bigger short film right away might have not been the, the best move for me. Um, and, and not to say that I, I there definitely I definitely like the film and, and uh, uh, I just wish I, I liked it more, I suppose. <laughs> gotcha. um, because it ended up, uh, yeah, it, it ended up being something that I, I that is the main. 
it is still one of the shorts that I'll show people with a lot of caveats. Uh, a lot of the other shorts that I made are were very much training ground kinds of well, short yeah. films. And, and, and that's something that we don't um, that we that we talk about a lot on this podcast is is there's just no opportunity to practice being a director, right? right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> other than doing it, it's, there's just you know there's that there's the the ten thousand hours theory, um, and <laughs> yeah, the, the amount of time you can put in. Uh, to directing as a as a as a craft, it, it it's just not that easy to do because it's so expensive, um, and so that's why and, film school is is I guess a good choice. Oh yeah, no, believe me, I you know having having uh, been in student films and stuff like that, I would I would kind of marvel at uh, so all these people have to actually work with you, <laughs> <laughs> like you know to, to when you start out, you're kind of hustling for yes. for crew and, right. and um, you know uh, and I mean, I've actually been really lucky. There's been very, very few people that I worked with that I wouldn't work with again. Do you know what I mean? Sure. But, uh, but yeah, you're you don't know who's good. You don't know how they work. You don't know. You know, there's a lot of things that you don't know about when you're just when you're an independent who's tr starting out and just trying to trying to uh, stitch together a crew. Um, it, it's definitely not. Uh, you know, it's, it, it can present surprises that you weren't aware of of course yeah uh, if you don't have if you you know don't have a don't necessarily have people that you can draw from to begin with to at least start like making up the framework of the people that you work with mm -hmm. um but yeah uh so the yeah the short film person was um it was actually just something that i uh, i decided to do because i had a uh sorry i had a voucher or something for uh to to rent some gear oh yeah and yeah. uh one and it was going to expire. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it was good for a year, and right. it was going to expire. And I, so I basically wrote a script in a in a in a day, and and I mean, I even changed the ending like a couple days before we sh shot. It's it's oh, not really? um it's not a film that I think I. Uh, I think the idea behind it was actually kind of interesting, because um, it's basically a a confinement uh, drama. It's about a woman who. Um, you realize over the course of the film that she's essentially trapped in the house okay. that she's in. Right. Um, I mean, it's not it's not the strong like uh, uh, plot wise. You could probably tear that apart a bit, but the idea is that she's actually hiding in this house, and uh, and the alarm has been set when the people who actually live in the house leave every morning, so she can't open the door. Or she doesn't want to open the door. There's a there's right. a bit of a there, it was a bit of a um, uh, take on on um, uh, I, I don't know if you remember there was like a story I think out of Japan where it turned out a woman was living in somebody's uh, food pantry. Oh wow! And they caught her on like security camera. Oh. <laughs> um, and actually, a friend of mine in Calgary, he had a house and and I think he was commuting to Vancouver and that kind of thing. And he came home once and and found a guy living in his basement. Wow. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So it was kind of that story where it's like these, you know, it's it. You kind of don't know whether she's there by choice or not. Right. Okay. So, kind of, so she kind of gets the run of the house during the day, and that's kind of you know she seems fine, but mm -hmm. um, you know it was kind of a play on 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 all those ideas. Especially if you uh, also, excuse me, have heard about you know people who get kidnapped and then everybody's shocked when they find out later on, like oh we saw them out in public and they never said anything to us, and right. so. It's like, did they want to be there? And and it's not obviously not that they want to be there, but it's a psychological thing that totally. you kind of protect yourself for sure. Um, 
however you need to to survive. So uh, again, these are lofty ideas that didn't necessarily translate into the finished product, which is not uh, not you know the most uh, the most exciting uh, film you've ever seen. But <laughs> but it sounds like a, a very interesting concept. Absolutely, something to explore for sure. Um, and it did actually go like it, it. It was an opportunity to go to a festival. We actually went to uh, uh, Anchorage to uh, mm. to show and um, and you know, regardless of how we felt about the film, we had a wonderful time in Anchorage. Oh, so <laughs> for a few days. I mean, that's something that's very cool about film festivals is that they take you to towns that you would never never like be a tourist in, but still, absolutely, yeah, they can be very cool. Um, but let's talk about you as a writer. Is that is that something you just decided? Hey, I, I want to direct, so I'm going to write something. Or, or do you have some training behind that as well, or what? Um, directing actually kind of came a bit later. Uh, the writing, I actually wanted to be a writer. That was kind of my uh, my okay. when I was g- growing up and in high school and stuff. I really wanted to write sitcoms. Actually, I wanted to write half uh, half hour single camera sitcoms, oh, being a, a lot of people and that kind of thing. Um, which obviously didn't come to pass, but the, uh, but I, I'd always, you know, I, I think directing is, is, is a little bit more of a, I hope I'm using this word correctly. It's sort of an ephemeral profession in the right. sense that it doesn't necessarily have that same concrete. Uh, it takes a while. It took a while, honestly, to, for me to just learn what, like really what that job entailed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but yeah, it, it it ultimately when it happened, when I was able to 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 direct my first thing, it was maybe the only time in my life I actually had a revelation. Do mm. you know what I mean? Like I actually like hit me hit me like a ton of bricks. Like oh, this is this is the thing I want to do. Like well, that was that was basically what, oh, when, <laughs> which has never happened to me again. Like that's that's <laughs> that, yeah. It's, go, to have that moment is was very rare. And tell me more about that moment. Where when did that happen? Uh, it was actually shooting Pride War. We were, okay. we were, liter- uh, you know, it was actually at, at lunchtime because uh, <laughs> it was a two day shoot. But uh, the 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 first day we were out outdoors, and I just remember uh, we'd had a really good morning, and then uh, we're like, oh, it's lunchtime, so we went across the street and bought everybody fish and chips meals, and then we sat in the park. And I, and that was, yeah. And I just had had one of those moments. And I'm such, I'm so not like a spirit spiritual person. Mm-hmm. Or a or a uh, or a necessarily a sentimental person, but it was really one of the rare times where I thought, oh wow, this is um, you know, the the way that I I, I the way that that hit me was something that I really haven't haven't. Uh, it's been a, a it's a, it was a very rare rare moment for that, that to just. To, to hit me so clearly. Um, but yeah, it was funny. It was over lunch. <laughs> it was over the lunch hour. Cause you know, after, you know, you're working and then, and then you're just sitting down and you're like, Oh, I'm just around these people that, that have all kind of got come together to work, work on this with me. Mm-hmm. And where it was a really fun experience. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, um, and then of course, once you do that, you kind of chase it. Like that's uh, totally, totally. <laughs> so well, the yeah. short, it's such Sorry. an interesting moment to to have when you finally, anytime you ha- you have a moment. Did you have that moment? Did you have? Well, like I, I I don't I don't, <laughs> I don't know if I could pinpoint it the same way, but but I think uh, anytime you're having lunch, it's 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 a moment to to reflect that you haven't had all day, um, and yeah. and you're you know so grateful that these people have decided to sometimes donate their time or even just be there to support your art. Um, and then, yeah, simultaneously you're, you're having a blast. So I, I can totally see how that would, that would come that way. And it's certainly led to, to many, uh, many more shorts. So you're, you've, uh, 
so so I, I like what you said too about about directing directing's a little there's a little less science to it I guess than writing is that what you you would say well with, with writing you're like well I type or I put pen to paper right. like there's very concrete uh, there's a very concrete um, uh, product out of it almost like there's a script or a, or text or whatever it is that uh, that you have whereas with with directing if you haven't directed a lot of stuff it's hard to demonstrate it to people mm -hmm. <laughs> I think is what you know what I mean like it's not like um, you know if you I, I just think it has a certain there's it, it's so specific to what you're what specific project you're doing right right you can't just direct into a, a, a vacuum right um, whereas with writing honestly you could you know you could sit on a park bench with a piece of paper and, and technically speaking you could write something um, whereas with directing it's like you need and and you know you, you need uh, something to direct you need and you need people because you know essentially you know film is such a collaborative collaborative art i mean you need there's there's definitely things about it that um that are a little bit hard to describe like right. is it that like people kind of have the image i think if they don't know know it at all is that the guy with the bullhorn and it is usually a vision of a guy yeah. uh, with a bullhorn sure. uh standing in the middle or or standing by a camera which is so hilarious to me <laughs> knowing how how fil you know films are made on, you know unless you're your own shooter uh, the director is usually not touching the camera so yeah. so much but sure. you know you'll see the the thoughtful pose of the the fellow with his hand on his chin standing next to a camera and he's he's the director so right. i think it's just a, a job that people don't either don't necessarily um, have actually know what they do or mm -hmm. they, or they do have some idea uh, of what it is. Um, but it's hard to articulate all the same, I think. Yeah. I always find that people who are maybe visiting set or extras assume that the first idea is the director because they're the ones who are actually oh, being loud. Totally. Yeah. totally. <laughs> um, so, so then we're on to a tiny prophecy and CEO. And, and at this point, are these, you're kind of um, polishing your style and are these getting to be shorts that you're a little, a little more happy to say, Hey, yeah, yeah. Take a look at this. Uh, a tiny prophecy was actually a challenge short. So it's actually a technically a, a web pilot. Oh, okay. I did, it was a, basically you have to, it's not, a, it wasn't a 24 or 48 hour challenge. Cause I think that would kill me, right. but I, uh, it was a seven, it was a seven day uh, challenge. So um, it's the same concept, right? As a forty-eight hour challenge, they give you a, a they give you an, a prop or a thing that needs to be in the film. They give you uh, a, a I can't remember exactly all the things that they a piece of dialogue that has sure, to be yeah, in the film. Yeah. And you can't start writing until the first uh, you know until they say go, and then right. you have to have it in um, seven days later. Cool. Um, wow. So yeah, it actually was pretty fun. Like it was uh, it, it ended up being something where I was like, I just got to shoot something. And I actually did, uh, funnily enough, the thing that we were just talking about, I actually did shoot it myself. I oh, okay. just had, have ha used my DSLR and nice. I got no more than two lights and just, cause I don't, I'm not a shooter at all, but I just thought, oh yeah, you know what? Let's just do a fun thing where we, where we, we don't think about it too much. We just write a thing and we, you know, put it on its feet. And um, so it was totally the opposite of everything of most other experiences, okay. uh, of every other experience I've had. But the, um, yeah, what was the other? Oh, uh, CEO. Um, CEO should have been a better movie. <laughs> it, <laughs> I guess honest, that's how like, we always it, feel. It, yeah. was, it was a very strange thing because I realized after I'd, I'd shot it that uh, 
uh, it was kind of a lesson in what I, what I, how I didn't necessarily want to approach things Mm -hmm. because I made a, made a stylistic decision that I have advised people not to make. And I don't know why I made it, but I, I ended up, um, shooting it, uh, partially handheld. Um, and, 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 I've seen that done in, uh, in the way that I did it. And it didn't, it, it basically just didn't work out as a choice, mm-hmm. uh, to, to go, to go handheld, especially because I didn't, it wasn't always handheld, which is a big mistake. Obviously you need to make sure that if you're shooting handheld in one direction, you're shooting handheld in every right, direction. Right. Otherwise it'll look like it'll, it'll create a weird kind of disconnect with the, with the audience and right. stuff like that. So I, um, which I am perfectly aware of. And yet somehow (laughs) I don't know how that happened. And I think honestly, it was actually, and I'll be honest, I think the biggest lesson out of that probably was that I uh, need to be much more careful when I'm producing something as well, because I have produced all of my own work. I usually work with somebody else who can kind of take the reins when I'm on set and and obviously having to, excuse me, having to focus on, on directing. But, um, but the truth is, is I'm a very like I'm 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 in the details all the time, mm-hmm. and I'm that kind of producer. So, uh, so it was a big, big, big lesson on no, I've got to, I've got to make sure that if I'm producing my own work, I have to be very careful about protecting my time and my energy as a director, and the time that I'm spending in prep. I really need to be doing that properly and not. Um, and not just assuming that, oh, well, I'm producing as well, so I know everything that's going on. It's a different job. Wow. <laughs> and I just got used to it because, uh, you know, when you're when you're an indie and also um, when you're an indie and you you have some experience doing it and, and, and you want to do it right and you're the one who's going to put the most energy into it, uh, you know, you're going to, you know, you might end up producing yourself and that's okay. But you will, you know, it will hurt you on the directing side and you have to be very careful about, about that. So, um, that was kind of the biggest lesson. I mean, honestly, I just, I've been able to work with such great people that like, I don't have any regrets about, about these experiences because it's, it's very much, um, I'm much more, it's much more me kind of beating myself up a little bit about the choices that I made because I, was well supported, you know, on these projects, but, um, but yeah, so that ended up being, uh, the last short that I did, uh, that I've done, uh, before, um, before I kind of, um, uh, I guess accidentally started producing a feature and then, and then after that doing my own feature. <laughs> right, right. So uh, what, which was the one you accidentally started producing? Um, it's, I, I shouldn't say accidentally, but I, I produced a, the, a film called sex after kids, um, right. that, uh, was a super tiny, um, in budget, uh, ensemble comedy, uh, written and directed by Jeremy Lalonde. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't necessarily by accident, but he, he literally just, uh, called me up one day and, and said, Hey, do you want to, do you want to produce this thing with me? And I was like, sure. Nice, <laughs> nice. Uh, I think it was, uh, it was kind of, um, it was a little bit of a situation where I'm trying to think, excuse me, had I started? I can't remember if I'd, no, you know what? I don't think I had, I think I'd had it in my head that I was going to try and, and, and make a, uh, direct a, a feature film, but I can't remember if I'd had any, if I'd started the process of either writing something or talking to writers or whatever at that point, I think right. maybe it was just early on. And I was like, you know what, this experience could be, I, cause I pr- also produced a short that I didn't direct. Um, so, you know, I think it was really 
me thinking, oh, well, I've never done a, a feature film before, never had a key role on a feature f- film before necessarily. So I think this might be a good experience just to learn what this is going to entail. Right. Um, and it was such a, but it was entirely different process from my own feature. Like it would like, you know, every project is so different and it was shot completely differently. That one was shot on weekends. Cause we obviously had to keep our jobs during the week oh, and yeah. uh, you know, that kind of thing. It was right. the, it was kind of the opposite experience of, of what mine ended up being, but it was obviously very valuable to actually go through the process of both making it and then releasing it and all that kind of thing. Awesome. Awesome. So, so when you say, you know, you had some great advice there about, you know, being careful if you're producing and, and directing as well. Um, that, that was the case on end of days, Inc. Correct. Yes, it was. Um, and end of days, Inc. Uh, I mean, I, I'm trying to, trying to figure out, you know what it was, it was, it was somehow just different. I, I think maybe cause I'd learned the lesson and I was actually working with the same woman, uh, who had been the second producer on CEO as well, oh. uh, Sandy Kellerman, okay. who's a friend of mine. Um, I think, uh, I think I just, yeah, I just knew, uh, that I needed to really be careful about that. Um, so I, yeah, it was really like when I'm, you know, when I'm meeting with the director of photography and, and when I'm, when I'm meeting with anybody, I'm trying to look at it as much as I can from a director's point of view, obviously, I mean, even directors, uh, on any show, like they're thinking about budget, obviously, if they're a good director, right. they're th- they're not necessarily uh, trapped by it, but they're definitely thinking about it. Um, you know, they're uh, addressing it. I mean, even, especially in television, I think, uh, you know, just watching directors go, yeah, I know that thing, but they're, they're going to want this and we won't have the money for it. It's not like a big discussion. It's just like, they know, they know right away, especially if they're an experienced director that, that, um, uh, you know, that the thing that they want isn't necessarily the thing that they can get. So they need to come up with an idea that's actually going to work with the show's budget or whatever the situation is. So in that way, I actually think the producing experience is helpful because as long as it doesn't paralyze you and doesn't make you like, so, you know, obsessed with, Oh, we're not going to make, you know, it's not going to fit into this thing. Um, As long as you're still open to possibilities and you're still mm. <clears throat> coming it from that direction. Right. It's still perfectly uh, okay for you to think about the budget as the director because, yeah. and, and people will like you for it too. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> your for producer, sure. your producers will, will like you for it too. That's a good you're, point. You're working, you're working with them. So um, end of days, your first uh, directing uh, when it comes to a feature. Um, <laughs> so how did that all come about? Basically, I had approached my friend, Christina Ray, uh, who is a, a screenwriter, um, about writing a script uh, for a feature for me to direct. Um, it was really as simple as that. I really like her. Uh, it's, well, simple. Let's. <laughs> it was It was really just me going, you know what? It's time. Right. So I, I, I went to her and I really like her voice because it's so original. She has a very unique voice. Uh, unique voice uh, as a writer. So I, and, and she kind of has some similar interests to me in the sense that I really like uh, films that mix genres mm. kind of, you know, I, I, I like genre films and I also like films that, that, that kind of defy a little bit of categorization. Like you can't necessarily pinpoint them exactly. Right. Um, they'll mix, you know, comedy and, and some suspense and, and, you know, I, it was, it was definitely my, uh, it's, I wanted to do something that was very much in my, 
my wheelhouse, something that, um, uh, that I, you know, it, I don't, you know, I mean, ultimately, let's be honest, I don't know if I'm ever going to get to make a, to direct another feature film. So you might as well do the thing that you want to do if you can. <laughs> totally, totally. Um, so yeah, I, I just, uh, I talked to her about it and, um, and yeah, she ended up being on board with it and she, she pitched me this, this concept and, uh, and yeah, it, and it was, I mean, it was a bit of a process because it, it, uh, uh, first of all, she got a job, so it, she ended up. We we ended up kind of tabling it for 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 a while, but um, she, uh, yeah, she ended up pitching me an idea that uh, that kind of clicked with me right away, and then eventually we got it to the point where uh, where it was time to 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 figure out how to how to make it. Cool. <laughs> and does, does she have an Alberta connection as well? I just see a couple of uh, Alberta. She's not, she's actually, uh, no, she's originally from, um, America, but she's lived oh. in, yeah, she's, uh, she's lived in Canada for many, many, many years now. Okay. Um, but she, uh, wrote, uh, Ginger Snaps yeah. back the beginning, yeah. which I believe was, yeah, was shot at, I remember actually yeah. remembering when she was in Alberta, I was definitely <laughs> yeah. still in town. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember um, that too. <laughs> so she, yeah, she, I, I don't know if she spent any time out on, on set there, but yeah, she, um, hmm. Uh, she kicked around a little bit. I'm not actually sure if she has has any ties here, but uh, and then I, I, see, I just see a, <laughs> I just see a Blackstone episode as well, which of course. Oh, that's right. Yes, she wrote an episode of Blackstone. I think that was a freelance script. Gotcha. I don't think she sure. was uh, she was necessarily involved in the uh, the room or anything like that. But uh, alrighty, uh, yeah. So uh, so how did you go from script to screen on this? How, what was that process like? Well, uh, it was a long process. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, I mean, originally it was, it was the, the idea, like I, I didn't have anybody working with me and I, and, and strictly speaking, I mean, I'm the, I, I'm the main producer on the film and Sandy is, is, uh, well also a main producer on the film. Um, but, uh, it was a pretty, again, pretty small team in terms of trying to, trying to figure out how to make it happen. Um, we went, uh, you know, we went out to, to, to telefilm a couple of times. Um, we knocked on some doors. Um, ultimately, ultimately, the thing that actually changed the game for us specifically was uh, the location. Mm. Um, because the film is set in an office. Um, most of it is set in the office, so yeah. it's kind of a film but it has to be a pretty particular office it's the idea is that this uh um this company godfrey global inventory the company in the film mm -hmm. is stuck in a time period it's kind of stuck about 50 years ago 50 ah. 60 years ago okay uh, it's a it's a it's a bit of a stylized film um uh, pro uh in terms of the look of it and the feel of it and and what types of uh you know pr the production design of the film is, right. is very particular so it wasn't as simple as trying to find just like any old office anywhere sure, yeah. <laughs> so we because we we, I, we saw a lot of places we went uh, to hamilton as well we went wow. all around toronto um we looked at a lot of places we um and ultimately we came back to the to to thinking we needed this one location which is 15 fraser avenue ah. it's in liberty village in toronto it's maybe the only building left in toronto that has that kind of look and feel that hasn't been torn down and turned into condos right um so yeah it's it's 
And it, they actually do a fair bit of shooting in there because it also has standing sets on the on the oh, main floor. Wow. So it's got a courtroom set and a, oh. an apart- apartment set, and like a, it's got the, yeah, it's got a couple little sets. But mostly, it's just a horrible building. <laughs> <laughs> it's mostly a horrible building. The windows are broken. We shot there in the dead of winter. We wore parkas indoors. Oh, it was no. a very very cold. And I remember uh, uh, our AD. Um, he was a, he was a second or a third. Uh, sorry, a second. I think on. Um, on the TV show Lost Girl, and he uh, he said that they were there when there was this horrible rainstorm in Toronto, and he said, "Yeah, the second floor got flooded. The ceiling <laughs> leaked. Like, <Wow. laughs> the ceiling leaked. So yeah, we could see it. We could look up and see oh, the actual wow. crack in the ceiling. So, but all that um, it, was perfect for, for your uses. <laughs> oh my God, it, it's it's a great it's a great looking uh, uh, building on camera, but it's horrible to shoot in. Right. Anyway, uh, it's an. <laughs> It's also a very expensive building to shoot mm-hmm. in. So ultimately what happened is that we decided to go with another building. And when we were going on the scout to look at the building and, and do all the, you know, uh, it was it was basically a combined tech scout and also the first time we were actually seeing it in person. Sure. And it was so horrible. And we all just, uh, you know, we went we went and had a sandwich afterwards. And everybody who had come with us was like, you can't shoot. Like, you can't make the movie in that building. Oh. Like, I, I'd be very worried about you doing it. Right. Um, and they were right. I mean, we looked at it was just it would have required way too much work to make it look the way we needed it to look. And right. with no and when you have very little money. Yeah. To do any of that kind of thing, you kind of need as much stuff as possible to be built in, as you know. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so we were like, okay, let's let's put a let's put a pin in this, and we'll come back to it. So I basically spent a few months, kind of like really depressed and and uh, <laughs> and just like, oh, I'm, this is never going to happen. And uh, so I kind of did. So basically, I did kind of this hail mary pass, which was um, the building that we had visited that we really wanted to shoot in, that we ultimately did shoot in. Um, the fellow that we had communicated with, he's the building manager. He doesn't actually own the building. He ah. just manages all the film crews coming in and stuff sure. like that. So just through a happenstance, just through doing all this, uh, all these um, site visits and stuff like that, we actually found out who owned the building. Ah. So I did a total, you know, let's, who, whatever, if I don't ask, who knows. So I, I ended up just uh, emailing the two people who owned the company um, and I, uh, um, yeah, I think it was, you know what it was? I, I, I just, uh, we had had correspondence with somebody else at the company. And so I knew what their emails looked like. Ah, yeah. So it was, it was, you know, it was either like first name, last name or yeah. first name, first initial, whatever, sure. last name, first initial, that kind of thing. So I, I just guessed at what their email addresses b- would be for nice. the two people who company i sent the email i didn't expect anything to come out of it because you know 99 percent of the time you send emails like that and and nobody gets back to you yeah and then a few weeks later one of the people uh emailed me and just like it was the shortest email ever it was just like i'm interested uh <laughs> why don't you come and meet nice. <laughs> so it was it was really crazy because we ended up uh yeah going there to to, to meet this person and and Sandy and I had come up with some sort of pitch that we were going to, you know, like, okay, so here's what we can offer them. We obviously can't offer them, you know, money because that's the, what they already get from. Right. Or we can offer them less money or whatever the situation was. It was a very, you know, it was like, okay, but maybe they would like a credit or, or, or mm-hmm. you know, whatever, <laughs> whatever sure. thing you could throw in the bucket, per- a percentage or something. Right. And, and ultimately we walked in and, um, <clears throat> And, uh, and, you know, I just, I remember having 
just feeling a little anxious about it. And he started asking questions. And I'm one of those people who thinks every question is a trick question. And ultimately he goes, let me just stop you there. I'm going to help you. And do you know why? And I was like, uh, I don't know. And he goes, I liked your emails. I didn't even really read them, but I, I, I just wanted to meet you and make sure that, you know, I didn't think any, uh, I just wanted to, to see that you were a real person, that right. you're actually this uh, quote unquote nice or whatever it was that he said. I can't right. remember exactly sure. what he said. Um, so uh, I was like, oh, and it, and he was right. He hadn't actually really read the emails because <laughs> he asked questions that I <laughs> addressed in the emails. Right. Um, but he just, yeah, he, he really just decided to help us and then That's literally great. walked out the door and we were, we were going because, uh, that location, uh, would have cost us, uh, quite a bit of money, even at indie rates to, right. to shoot in that we didn't have. Amazing. So, um, so, uh, yeah, the, the, and the button on that story is that, 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 um, they don't own the building anymore. Oh. So they, mm. they, they, um, I won't get too much into this, but essentially, uh, during our third week of shooting, they no longer owned the building. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, that is literally all I can say about that because <laughs> I don't, don't want to start uh, casting. But it was a really, really kind thing for this person to do. Absolutely. Um, and, uh, you know, so I, I think that, you know, I think that it was uh, definitely one of those. I think every film kind of needs a little bit of a miracle. Oh, for sure. Um, in, whether big or small, there's something that needs to line up that is again, you don't know how it happens necessarily, or you don't know how it's necessarily going to, uh, or how it's going to, to break out. But the truth is, is that, uh, yeah, it, it was the, it was the thing that actually triggered, uh, the production of the film. Right. And it, and it's interesting how that's a location is the, is such a must in that case. Like you could, you can take almost any other element and say, well, we could, we can either cast someone else or we can have someone else doing the sound or we can use a different camera, but, but yeah, the location is kind of, uh, it's gotta be right. And that's what, what, what that, that's another thing that was sort of the opposite of, of, of producing, uh, the other film, which was that that film was, I mean, it also had a much smaller budget, but it was all about like, okay, we need locations where that we have, where it's like either, either, uh, uh you know, this guy's house or this guy's house or this mm-hmm. guy's house. All the actors are wearing their own clothes. You know, it's all, it's a lot of that, right? It's, it's all, whereas this, this film just because of the style of film and that it is, um, you could, you know, you couldn't just shoot it at somebody's house. The actors could not uh, wear, just wear their own clothes. Right. You know, it was a very, it was, it, it has such a particular style to it. And of course that's a budgetary thing. That's a, a um, that's, you know, the type of personnel that you have on board is really important. And, and, you know, so it, it, yeah, it was a different experience in that way because it was like, okay, this is, this is some serious uh, stuff here. Like, you know, uh, you got to put yourself out there a little bit more if you're going to get the thing that you need. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So that's, yeah, that's ultimately what happened. And I got to say what I, what I have seen of the movie so far, I've, I've watched a a trailer and and seen some of the posters and I, and I, and I'm definitely hoping to, uh, to watch before, this podcast goes out, um, but the uh, style and the look of the of the poster and the marketing is all really sharp. Is it? Is that? Is there some some distributor or, or, or team on board, or is that kind of in house? 
Well, our distributor is uh, IndyCan Entertainment, okay. um, who is essentially Avi Fettergreen. Um, he actually also uh, distributed uh, Sex After Kids, um, oh, okay. so I've worked with him before. Uh, um, and uh, I'll say the poster is actually kind of a well. The poster and the trailer they're they're both uh, they're both made by folks that he, that he works with regularly. Um, so the trailer was cut by Justin McConnell, um, who has his own company called Unstable Ground. I know Justin. Uh, yeah, well, he's. I think he's in town right now. He's in Calgary right oh, now. Is that for the really? Cuff. He has a film in Cuff. Ah, yes. Um, he's a good dude. He uh, he he cut our trailer, and he's also working on some deliverables for us and that kind of thing. Um, he he does he does work for bigger companies uh, as well. So he he's he's very experienced in in cutting trailers, and um, he did a really great job on on the End of Days Inc. trailer. Mm. Um, and I definitely had very strong ideas about what I wanted in the trailer as well. Right. Um, because it, uh, you know, it's a tricky thing with a trailer. Like I, if it were up to me, you would, if it were entirely up to me, you would never see any of anything that happens beyond the first five minutes of the movie. <laughs> right. Like it would, like I, I, my, like I would hope that you would actually kind of watch it go, Oh, is this cut some kind of, you know, weird office comedy or something, yeah. which I guess <laughs> it is, but, but it kind of goes, it goes a little further than that. Sure. Um, because it, ha it, you know, but so we do kind of have to give away a few things in the trailer. Mm -hmm. But there were things that I was also like, you know what, I'm going to hold back a couple of things that I just, I'm like, I'm just so, you know, I really, really want to hold these things back. Well, I appreciate um, it. I, I am, I don't know if I've gone too much into it on the podcast, but I am so sick of trailers that just give everything away. And, uh, and, <laughs> and I, I try not to watch trailers at all anymore. Um, so, right, so right, yeah. for keeping at least a few. Well, yeah, I mean, again, it's like that we definitely like there are things that I, I had held back. And then of course, you know, push back from either Avi or somebody else like, sure. no, you kind of got to add a little <laughs> bit of a, a thing to it. So, so there are things in it that, that, you know, I, I, it's, it's, but it's necessary, you know, unfortunately, I, yeah, I it's the thing people, you know, it's, we're not all, we're not all JJ Abrams. We can't put out a 10 Cloverfield Lane trailer that has like nothing in it and <laughs> right, right. have people like excited about, about seeing it. So, um, but the poster is actually designed by a uh, small dog design. Um, it's actually a woman named Joanne uh, Howard. I think her last name is, um, who has a little company called small dog design. Cool. She does a lot of work with IndyCan as well. And she also designs for bigger companies and, um, and yeah, I mean, I, I, I was, I really lucked out because, uh, you know, um, it could have very well, well been the case that, I mean, everybody has such a different idea of what, what, what should, you know, what the marketing of a movie should look like and that kind of thing. Um, I think that, you know, I hope the poster gives a, a vibe of the, gives the proper vibe of the film. I do think it maybe is a little bit more hard edged than, than the film, if I'm being honest. Okay. Um, uh, I kind of, you know, I, I, I kind of feel like the, the smile on the character's face on the poster, Mr. Godfrey's face kind of hopefully gives you a little bit of a sense that you're not necessarily in for like a, it's not a straight up genre movie. It's a, it's a dark, it's a dark comedy with well, super and elements also, to it. The apocalypse appears to be going on kind of in the background of, of what that is. <laughs> and that is nowhere in the movie that, right. that, that background image is nowhere in the movie. Sure. But, but even the title kind of says it, right? Right, and we changed the title. I mean, that was Avi's first uh, first uh, 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 guideline to us. He's like, "You got to change the title." Mm. What was it originally? It was. Uh, it used to be called "The End of Days at Godfrey Global Inventory." Ah, yes. Which is too long. A bit of a it's mouthful, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Christina's kind of a long title person. Gotcha. Like, I, I actually, she directed a couple of short films or like uh, 
back in the uh, back in the day, and I I was like a coordinator on them or whatever, and mm. they always just these impossibly long titles. <laughs> <laughs> So I definitely, uh, you know, I, I actually liked it and I, we all liked it and we actually output the film with that title. Right. Um, but, you know, yeah, ultimately. I mean, yeah, there's, there's, <laughs> it kind of it alludes to the comedy that, that, that's behind it in the title, which is good. Right, right. Yeah. It's, it's uh, you know, I, I do like the title, but I agree. I mean, in this day and age, like if you're going to be on iTunes, if you're going to be on, you know, whatever uh, platforms, like you need to have a title that's going to fit. <laughs> you need to have it, you know, you don't want it to be because they'll, I forget how they'll do it when they have a super long title. They'll have to abbreviate it in some way or, do, you know, you, yeah. you want to make your thing easy to find, easy to understand, easy to, you know, just get an immediate sense of it just by looking at a thumbnail and a title. And so I totally, I'm, you know, I'm totally on board for that. Um, but so, yeah, we, sorry, we lucked out. We, we had good, we had good people uh, working on that stuff. Awesome. Awesome. So uh, when is the release date? When, when can people see this thing? Well, it's coming out on iTunes and uh, Vimeo on demand and VHX on April 26th, which is a Tuesday. Uh, I guess. Um, oh, are we pretending that uh, we're, we're recording closer to that date? Uh, <laughs> yeah. My hope sure. is that it's probably going to be available now <laughs> if right. you're gotcha. if you're listening to this on April 26th or later. Certainly uh, close to for sure. <laughs> it's a it's a North America uh, release, so this is uh, Canada and the USA. It'll be it'll be on these uh, VOD platforms. Um, we are doing a DVD also for uh, North America. Um, it's just uh, we're just making it ourselves. Um, okay which uh which should be out at the end of may um and or early june end of may uh and yeah um internationally we don't have dates yet um uh, we have a sales agent who is uh, shopping it around so that um so international release dates are still forthcoming all right cool um and and i i found an article by eric volmers and, and i guess you had a screening at the calgary international film festival correct yeah, yeah, we did. That was, uh, yeah, that was in the fall. That was in September. Um, so and I was home. so excited. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was so excited, man. It was, I, I mean, let's put it this way. Another festival re re revoked their invitation because we're like, no, no, I am, I am, uh, I'm going to Calgary. Like, this, <laughs> <laughs> like it was, uh, yeah, that was, I mean, festivals are such a pain that way sometimes they just it's like there's things that you have to think about that you never imagine you have to think about like where you're gonna i mean it was not even a premiere but you know what i mean just sort of a like where are you going to be first where are you, you know, oh i see okay. you're gonna show like a director in attendance kind of a screening well it ended up well it was the first screening in western canada oh, okay so that's ultimately what it was gotcha. um but yeah, I was like, no way, I'm going to Calgary. Um, and I've been there before. I mean, we, we, uh, we'd we taken, um, I can't remember if I was, oh yes, I was in town for that. We'd taken Sex After Kids there a oh, couple okay. of uh, either the year or two before. And um, we'd had uh, the short that I produced called Family First was also there one year, although I, I wasn't in attendance there. Mm. Um, and yeah, it was it was really lovely to uh, to get to go home and uh, and, and show the film. Um uh yeah show the film at the uh the globe and and you know have that experience it I was bet. uh yeah it was probably it was i mean it really was i think my favorite festival experience i didn't end up necessarily going to a lot of festivals with it uh because it did go to some places uh around the world but um just budget wise it, <laughs> yeah, oh, sure. it ended up uh yeah it ended up being like oh i could kind of go to the ones a little bit closer to home mm -hmm. um and, uh, and yeah, and it was, and I mean, that piece was, uh, that Eric Wilmers wrote, I was kind of 
kind of blown away because I hadn't expected that he would write so extensively about myself or the film. I mean, we obviously, we obviously had the interview and whatever, but I'd assumed, you know, maybe they would throw it in another piece with a bunch of other stuff or, see, if there'd yeah, be sure. or something like that. So I could not have been more uh, happy and, and, and surprised to, to see that. Absolutely. Eric's a great voice for, for the community. And, and, and so what, uh, what would you say if for, for being that our audience is kind of here in Alberta for the most part, um, would you say that you would have been able to, I guess the question is, is it easier to make a feature film in Toronto or in Alberta? Um, because I haven't, I haven't worked in Alberta really. I, I can't, I, I probably couldn't tell you the answer to that question. Right. However, <laughs> <laughs> however, um, there is something to be said for being, a, uh, you know, for being in Alberta in, in the sense that, um, uh, you know, a lot of the agencies are w concerned. Uh, that's, that's a terrible word to use. They care about uh, regional representation. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So you you know, te the Telefilm has offices around uh, the the country, and I would probably say that the Alberta office is maybe a little less uh, subscribed than than the Ontario. The right. Ontario because there, there are so many filmmakers. Indeed, there there is not one in Alberta. We we go to Vancouver, unfortunately. Vancouver. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, but again, they, they would, I, I imagine they make a distinction of which province, um, some, uh, a filmmaker is based, a course. filmmaking team is based. Sure. And so, you know, if you have a strong project in Alberta, I would, uh, my, my sense is that you will probably get a bit more attention, um, to, to that project, uh, if you are, um, if you are outside of kind of the major centers, right, uh, and and that you and you are genuinely a member of, the, of that center, right. Um, <laughs> I think uh, not. Not that I've heard about uh, people trying all sorts of stuff, but I do know that sometimes when you when dealing with like Canada versus U.S., because of course we have a, our Canadian point system, I am sure there are people who try to gain the like, oh, Canadian content. Well, we happen this fellow here uh, who hasn't lived in Canada for, you know in parentheses, who hasn't lived in Canada for X number of years yeah. or whatever, is a Canadian. So we can, <laughs> you know, and I, and I, and I don't want to, I'm, I just, I put my foot in it, I think, because I, I'm not trying to say that anybody is, is doing that uh, with any malicious intent. No, Cause I sure. do know, I do know great Canadians who live a lot of the time in the States and that, and, and that kind of thing. Absolutely. Um, so it's not, uh, but you know what I mean? Like it's, it's, there's always that, that little bit of, <laughs> There's always that little bit of like, can we, you know, whenever there's a system in place, it's can we game the system somehow? And course, I don't, I don't think that happens a lot necessarily no, because we, but, we all but, kind of know each other and we absolutely, yeah. But there is an attitude of let, let's get the film made no matter what, and and so sometimes people uh, try certain things for sure. Um, sure, sure. But uh, you know, and a telefilm has doesn't. I mean. Uh, You've had people on, I know, who've talked about micro the micro budget program, which is yeah. pretty specific in the sense that you need somebody to nominate you, and and you have to have been an alumni of of, of you know uh, a, either a, a film school or some sort of community, right. and and it's a pretty specific project for first source. I think maybe does it include second features as well? Might just be for first features. It is first only, yeah. Okay, um, so the 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 next program that you can go to is the um, the low budget. Uh, Ultra is it ultra? I forget what they call it. They used to have like a, a an ultra 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 low budget <laughs> program, which uh, went by the wayside. I think uh, three or 
Yeah, it was a few years ago. They right. changed. It's not that the I don't know that the program name changed, but they changed their guidelines because there used to be a, a kind of. T- um, oh, gosh. And I'm going to get this wrong because all this policy stuff just goes right over my head. Right. Let's just put it this way. We were applying for these <laughs> funds uh, over a t- time period where things shifted, where things changed. Oh, I see that. Um, so, uh, but basically, it's, I think, anything under something like $2.5 million or maybe even $1.2 million, I can't remember now, uh, falls under the same same. Um, the same fund. Right. Um, and I don't know specifically how that changes from, from region to region, if it does at all. Well, yeah, but I think that's the next step up is the regional. Right, right. And then it's national. I, I, I could be wrong. Okay. Okay. Um, but uh, so, yeah, I mean, this is, this has been fantastic. Um, hopefully we, we see you in Calgary again soon. Um, and is, yeah, I hope to be back. I hope to be back more often. I really do. I, you know, it, it, because I don't have family there anymore. It's just harder uh, to find reasons to head out there. But I, of course, want to want to be able to to go back. Awesome. <laughs> and and what about the shorts? Is there anywhere to see the shorts, or is it, or, or is that kind of your film school and 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 go and see the feature? Um, it's, uh, you can see a couple of things. If you actually go to my Vimeo page, which is vimeo.com slash Jennifer Liao, um, you know, that's, uh, that's kind of the place to go. Right. Uh, my website, jenniferliao.com, the movie's website is godfreeglobal.com. You know, we do encourage people to, if they, if they either see the movie and like the movie or are interested in staying up to date on it, that they can join our Facebook page or Twitter feed. Sure. Um, you know, rate the movie on IMDb, rate the movie on iTunes. I mean, ultimately, this you know, the film is tiny, and so it it kind of sur- it kind of survives on on whether or not people actually kind of give it a little bit bit of a boost that way. So if they're interested in in doing that, I also have a mailing list. So you know, stay in touch if you'd like. If you have questions, I'm I'm easiest to get a hold of on Twitter. Awesome. Um, so yeah, all that type of thing. And well, I really do want to th- thank you for having me on. Oh um, no, thank you. I'm not. Uh, not necessarily the, the most helpful to folks who are based in, in Alberta. Well, but, no, I, uh, I think certainly there's there's a lot of great information here. And, and you know, when when Scott and I kind of got at least a bit of a feel for the, the community in Toronto at, at the Toronto International Film Festival and through the, uh, the um, Features First program at NSI, um, you know, it, it becomes quite clear that it's, uh, that it's a community that, that, that is great to be a part of, just especially what you're talking about um, when it comes to marketing materials and the poster and things like that. Um, that's where the distributors are. That's where a lot of the broadcasters yeah. are. So it's, it's a good place if I to can, be. If I can just mention one more thing, because you'd asked me about, about making a feature in Toronto versus, uh, yeah. versus Calgary or Alberta versus Ontario. The one thing I will say about Toronto that I actually have heard is not really the same in Vancouver, which is the other kind of big center, mm-hmm. is that here um, pretty much everybody understands what it is to work on an, on an indie project. Um, it's shockingly easy and uh, or shockingly straightforward in a sense to ask anybody here who works on a big show who works on a big thing during the year if they have the time to work on something small 
uh, for much less money. They they really do get it. And I'm not saying it's not the same, but I've heard it's a little more difficult in places like Montreal and Vancouver, where there's mm. so much service production and so much of that going on, where it's maybe a little bit difficult to get super skilled crew on. And, I do, and so I'm not sure what it's like in Alberta. I know you guys have great crews out there. I don't know how, uh, I mean, depending on how much work is out there and depending on how willing people are to work on, on indie projects. But that's the thing about Toronto is that everybody really, really gets it. And I do hope that people here, filmmakers here, really understand that that's an advantage that they don't necessarily get everywhere else. We also have Toronto Indie Production with Actra, which lets actors work at, at lower rates as well. And, ah, yeah. Um, and I just I want people to be as professional and as good uh, as good as they can be in dealing with all that because I, I feel like sometimes people get burned working on indies here because of that because mm-hmm. they're all everybody's so open to working on whatever that it's just like sometimes they work on productions that have like where people don't know which way is up yeah for sure and, uh, but but ultimately I I think that that's been a huge benefit to to being in Toronto is that is that you know I I work with world class people on on a short film when I'm kind of new and not and finding my feet and that right. kind of thing so um so anyway that's, that's I just want a great to point that. absolutely and and I think uh you're right. If if you can kind of time things out so that there's not, you know, necessarily a big show happening or or uh, or a big, um, yeah, bit of service production. Um, so I <laughs> that would mean winter for the most part. Um, <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Then yeah, yes, you can get some very skilled people uh, to come out and 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 fill those important roles. Um, so where, what is the Twitter account? Your Twitter account? Oh, uh, mine's uh, sorry. It's uh, average gen. So okay. uh, two ends. Two ends. Two ends. End of that. Yeah. Awesome. And what was your website again? It's jenniferliao.com. Awesome. Okay. So people yeah. can find out more there and uh, and be sure to, like we say on the podcast, rate uh, End of Days on, on iTunes on the 29th um, and on IMDb and uh, download. Is there is Are there any screenings happening? Is it a day and date at all or is it purely just a VOD? No. Um, it, we actually <coughs> were out in Toronto. Um, that was our only theatrical. So we were out. Okay. Uh, we, we ran about four weeks in Toronto. Oh, cool, cool. Or four weeks in Toronto, um, uh, starting in February. So that uh, un- unfortunately, it's just yeah, the it's just hard to get people outside of oh yeah, uh, yeah. outside of Toronto to run a run a little movie like this. So, sure. but um, I'm so we're just going in, straight to iTunes. <laughs> not, yeah, and I'm always interested in the the way distribution happens these days because of Netflix. And you said VHX. And, and I had never heard of that and just kind of, I kind of quickly blew it. Oh, um, it's, it's actually, it's not its own uh, platform. Right. VHX is basically how you're able to sell a movie on your own website. That's <laughs> gotcha, basically gotcha, what it okay. is. You and can it sell it, like, download to your own website. <laughs> and it looks like it's it's access to Apple TVs and Roku boxes, kind of a, however that goes down. Something to check yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. And I'm and it's all DRM free. Like once you right. buy it, like you have it. You, it's not a thing where you have to like, you know, it's not copy protected right. in any way. It's a DRM free download purchase gotcha. um the movie so yeah if that's a, if that's of interest to anybody that's uh, those are those options are available cool and you're available for for questions if people want to shoot you yeah yeah that. if anybody has questions yeah please uh please send me an email um i, I guess believerville at gmail.com believerville is the name of my my company i guess oh, cool. um so yeah if you want to send an email there i'm totally open to that and i you know i listen to your podcast even though there's there you i i love I, I, for some reason even the be- the best part for me is listening to like oh these local things are happening and I, just, <laughs> yes. I don't know it's a great it's a great podcast it's a great resource um yes. you definitely you yes. know for for filmmakers or in any part of uh, you know any part of the world i think it's really helpful oh good good yeah we, you know we try it's it's obviously pretty uh pretty niche at times but uh but yeah we have a little community here that's certainly doing some things uh every now and then 
So thank you, Jen, so much for being here and uh, looking forward to watching the film, End of Days, Inc. Thanks so much for having me, Matt. Take care. Talk soon. Bye. Yay. All right. Thank you, Jennifer. Thank you, Jennifer. Yeah, that was a very cool. Super nice lady. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, and I learned a lot. And um, dope. I have now learned a lot. Yeah, <laughs> and it's nice to remember that uh, that you know uh, even if you're not currently living in Alberta, you're still an Alberta filmmaker at heart. Yay! So let's get into the upcoming deadline, Scott. Right, but just firstly, um, because we spent so long gabbing at the start, we're going to make this super lightning round mm-hmm. style news mm-hmm. you can use. Yes. Um, so pay attention, and if there's anything that you want to know more about, we're just going to say it right now. The link is in the show notes. All of it's in the show notes. Right. So number one, Alberta Foundation for the Arts Film and Video Scholarship. 5000 bucks to a young Albertan film and video artist with extraordinary talent who demonstrates clear educational goals. Deadline, May 1st. Awesome. The Edmonton's Got a Minute Film Festival returns for a third year this September 26th to October 2nd, 2016, uh, and the call for submissions are now open. Your deadline is July 18th, and FAVA members and youth are free, and it's $15 for the general public to submit. The National Screen Institute's program called Totally Television, which is one of their flagship programs, is open for submissions. You must apply by May 6th at 4 p.m. Oh, that's coming up. Yeah. Uh, the Calgary Comic and Entertainment Expo we've already talked about, so let's talk Skip about it. the uh, the FAVA AGM, which is tomorrow night, April 27th at 6.30 p.m. If you want to get involved with FAVA or want to have your voice heard in some voting, uh, presumably, uh, you want to head to uh, FAVA uh, for 6 p.m. for some light snacks and a chance to network and mingle, and then the meeting is going to get started at 6.30 p.m. Uh, also, congrats to all the Fava Fest winners. Uh, on the nineteenth was the uh, uh, the Fava Fava Fest event, which is a cool event that celebrates uh, film and filmmakers in Northern Alberta. And a bunch of people won some cool stuff. And you can check out the link for all the uh, winners. And congrats to them. If you're in Edmonton, go to the Fava AGM tomorrow night. But if you're in Calgary, go to the Sate's second year screening um, tomorrow, April twenty seventh, six thirty p.m. at the Globe. First come, first serve. It's like their graduation, so yeah. it's a very cool event yeah. to attend. Uh, the uh, Alter Native Indigenous Film Series curated by Nakota AV Club uh, is on Thursday, May 5th. The doors are uh, at 6.30 p.m. Uh, screening starts at 7 p.m. in the M Media Screening Room here in Calgary uh, on the second floor of their building there. And it's free, so come and check it out. Hooray! Two um, workshops at the CSIF, the Calgary Society of Independent F- F- Filmmakers. Mm-hmm. Um, the first one is crowdfunding with Brett Furster. Um, and if if he's a friend of the podcast, he's been yes, on the podcast, yes. listen to his episode and then check out his crowdfunding uh, workshop May 5th from 7 to 10 p.m. Uh, a must if you want money. Absolutely. And another <laughs> another guest uh, who's an instructor for a, a CSIF uh, workshop coming up, Kyle Thomas, uh, doing a, a workshop called DIY Post Sound uh, happening April 30th and May 1st from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. Uh, go check that out. It's such an important part of the filmmaking process and the kind of He's got some great, some great knowledge that you can uh, learn a lot from. What's shooting? Uh, the Salutrian, uh, caveman, Arctic, twenty thousand yes, BC yes, survival story. That. Sweet. Moving on. Awesome. Job uh, calls. Uh, go for it. Yeah, an ENG camera editor with Bell in Calgary. Um, so much to talk about. They really need a jack of all trades in the news kind of production world, editing, uh, shooting. Um, all kinds of stuff. It's a really cool uh, position and uh, something you should check out if you're interested. CSAF also has two job calls out right now. One is for an administrative and communications assistant, uh, and the other is for an archive coordinator. The deadline to apply for both of those is Friday, April 29th, which is this Friday at 5 p.m. 
Nice. All right. So recommendations. recommendations. Great. Yeah, we did it uh, fast. We're going to do video game recommendations. Why is that? We've never done anything like that before. I don't know why. Why? You well, because sitting at the table with us is our, ah, our yes. newest practicum student, uh, a gentleman named Evan. He's uh, with Mount Royal. He's our first Mount Royal practicum student. That's right. Yeah. Um, so we're very excited to have him. And uh, it's only day two. But so far, I'm pretty impressed. Pretty good. Uh, and we're not saying this just because he's literally staring right at me right now. <laughs> um, but he's a big fan of video games, so that's our recommendation uh, is the games that we're into right now. Matt, what are you playing? And I'm into a game in a big way for the first time in a long time. It's The Division. I'm late to the party here, but I am absolutely loving it. I loved it when I first got it, and then you hit like the second phase where you're playing in the dark zone, <gasps> and it gets even better. It's it's a great game, and it, and the story is fantastic as well. The storytelling is really cool. Um Briefly, there's there's this thing you're, you're you're trying to piece together what happened that kind of caused this apocalyptic disease to take over uh, New York City, and the game uses this thing called echoes. You have this watch technology that detects these echoes, and it, it I guess the idea is that it's putting together like recordings that that might have happened on cell phone video, oh cool, uh, surveillance cameras, and it puts it all into this 3D world. So you're standing in the space. And it, you know, puts uh, this display up for you, much like when when Han Solo was on the Millennium Falcon talking about, you know, the stars and and, and the map. Um, it's like a physical thing that you can kind of walk through, and, and it gives you information about what's happening, and it replays audio. It's a really cool feature. Um, obviously, it's part of a video game, but one day we'll have something real like that. Hooray! Um, anyway, it's a cool story. Tom Clancy obviously wrote a book, and it's based on that. Mine is free to play. It's on the iPhone, maybe on Android. I don't care. I don't know. But it's for word nerds, and it's called Spellspire. Ooh. And it's one of those games where you get like like 10 letters, and you have to like find as many different words as you can. But the twist on this one is that you're a little wizard man walking <laughs> across the screen, and uh, you spell words. And the longer your words, the more powerful your spells your to spell. kill goblins and skeletons. Um, and work your way up the spire. So this game is the shit. Um, and I'm <laughs> the just, more powerful your spell, the right. more powerful your spell. That's right. You spelling, <laughs> spelling. If you haven't gotten it yet, um, then you shouldn't play it. This game is not for you. Um, but it's super addicting, super fun, and free to play. Um, but of course, they will ask you for money in various ways. Oh yes, um, yes. But yeah, that's all. Anyway, pay to win. Uh, is super, it pay to win? Uh, pay to win? No, 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 no. You can win without paying. I hate those games. You just got to grind, which I do. Right. I yeah, spell real enough. good too. I spell like rat and tar mm. and art are all the same three <laughs> letters, Matt. Yes. That's the best. So what a great episode. Thank you. Really, just filled Thank with you. great information. Uh, and uh, thanks to Briar, who puts all the deadlines and information and news together beforehand so that we can share it with you. Hooray. Um, if you're an Alberta filmmaker, this podcast is for you and it's about you. So please do get in touch um, if you have any recommendations or any critique um, or you want a, a brand new segment like video game recommendations, which I'm, I'm hoping is going to be a thing. Because um, I got way more than Spellspire, Matt. Way more. <laughs> let us know. How can they let us know, Matt? Uh, you want to reach us at uh, hello at abfilmcast.ca. And that's the best way. Tweets and other forms of communication are, can easily fall and disappear into the ether. So uh, emailing us at that e- address is your best way of going about it. And be sure to find us on iTunes and SoundCloud and Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. Uh, just search AB Filmcast or Alberta Filmmakers Podcast uh, and give us five stars on iTunes if you can. Um, Share with your friends, please. Yes, please. Yep. And buy End of Days Inc. on iTunes today. Well, that's it. That's all. Without further ado, go, go make, make something. something.